Welcome to episode 42 of The Courageous Mama. I love this week's conversation. It was actually recorded at the end of last year between the lockdowns with my friend David Baker. I love getting him on the podcast, so he's a bit of a frequent flyer. He's a thinker. He makes me think more deeply about the issues that affect our children and just those little ways in which we can invest sometimes in areas that we just might not have the time to think about until someone like David comes along and articulates his thoughts and ideas. I love his sense of fun too. He's a fun dad. We talked about empowering, about arguments, about the times when sorry is an empty word. We covered shame and regret and that famous expression, being true to yourself. Is that always a valid defence for our choices? And then lies, hormones and unconditional love. It's all in here. But first, a little warning. There is a story in here that you might prefer your little ones didn't hear. So if they're in earshot, it's in the latter half. So here it is, Riffing with David. What's the difference between power and control? (laughs) Just going straight for the jugular. (laughs) Great. Um, Just off the top of my head it feels like control is something I, I grab when I'm desperate and power is something mm. I've earned well, I think some people think they can take power but it's I think that's a false perspective it's it's almost like um, it's false it's it's a fabricated power if you have to take it but if you're given influence so there are moments in in parenting when I can take control and I feel powerless mm. like I've taken control of the situation because I've run out of power in mm. this in 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 this moment with my kids it's gone out of hand and so I've had to be the loudest or the strongest physically verbally and I feel like I've lost and it's because of a lack of economy in the tank mm-hmm. and those moments I've, I've not got as much in the tank as I thought in terms of influence is a, is a word that I would be more mm-hmm. comfortable with um, I don't want to be powerful in in parenting but power is I think something that my my kids would give me because I earned it in a relational way, as well as there being some level of, I think, I've got an influence because I'm a grown-up in, in amongst four little kids. And I get that you don't like the word power as much as influence, and I hear that, but also I suppose there's the word empowered. Yeah. And that implies that even without equity between you and that other person, you have some natural authority, don't you, as a father? Yeah, I have opportunities to give my kids the option of doing something really positive or blowing it. I, I, can, I can empower them to make some decisions knowing that that could go wrong or it, it, it might not go the way I want it to. So you're good at letting them fail? Maybe it's too early to call that or I don't want to, but I, I think I'm, I'm comfortable with the notion that they're going to need to fail in order to learn and to grow. So I'm not, I'm not comfortable with being the one who is their success. That's a false economy in terms of Mm. growth. Uh, And I think I've learned that in terms of leadership in my role in a church context as well as in parenting, that I I can create environments where people feel externally controlled and they do what I think they should do. But then that doesn't change the person when they're they're not around me. And, And for me, that's not powerful. That's a lack of influence and a lack of empowering. And so where would you draw the line? I mean, if one of your children really needed you to step in and rescue them. Well, when do I know that? When do I know that they really need to... If, if, there's, if there's going to be some physical harm happening mm. or, or there's an actual... Then there's some clearer... 
boundaries, but but sometimes I think I, I have the potential of intervening between my kids when they're at each other because I can see the solution. I know who was wrong in the first place and then they've got caught up in tit for tat mm. and I'm like, well, when's the moment that this could be a learning moment for them? How, what can I say in this moment that doesn't give them the answers? What I don't have to play judge in this moment. I could create an, a, a moment where I, they recognise that someone else is involved here and daddy's watching. But what does daddy watching mean? Does that mean that they're going to get the answer in a minute? Mm. Or does that mean that they have to be a bit more careful about finding the answer and how they treat each other. And does that work, do they? What's your sort of MO for argument time? At the moment, the, the question I'm using, and it's, it, it, I, I always feel like I'm, I'm, I'm learning, but is how are you going to make this better? I don't, I don't know if right is the right word, because it, it, sometimes that's not really clear, but how can mm. you make this better? Who's going to be the one to go first in making this better? So I'm walking to school this morning, um, Beth bumps into Ben, was it Ben walking slowly, was it her walking fastly? Either way, one of them hits the other and then the tit for tat on who started it in the first place. And I'm I'm then saying, who's gonna be the first person to try and make this better? Because I could tell you what happened and sort it, but they could make a choice to say, hang on a minute, this is my sister, I want this to be to be good. If I just step out of this moment enough, I could choose to make this better rather than just trying to win something cheaply. Mm. And I think that's a lesson that takes a long time for kids to learn, maybe. Well, I suppose they haven't got a developed frontal lobe, so stepping out of the moment is something they need to be invited to do because they don't automatically do it, do they? Yeah. In that moment, it's, you did this to me, and therefore mm. you need a bash around the head. Yeah. And in front of all your school friends, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it's all I over just, the road, it's so, all over the pavement. Sometimes I'm sat there going, Actually, again. I would have bashed you. Like I'm like, you deserve a bashing because you were really <laughs> winding him up. Like I'm like, is that the best thing to do right now? I think you bashed him, he bashes you. <laughs> Tip for tat. Tip for tat sometimes. Yeah. Just... But there are fake ways to do it, aren't there? I mean, you could wade in and go, right, you say sorry to him and you say sorry to her and mm. it's all quiet and it's mm. done and that's back to control. But and it's a word. There's no, there's, yeah. It's not from the heart. And and I and that's that's another phrase that I'm starting to that's starting to come into the understood vocabulary with my kids is is was that from your heart? It just feels like you just said something because mm. you knew it was going to get you through to the next bit, and you could get on because you're just annoyed. But is is it something you genuinely mean? And certainly for one of my kids, they they will stop. They recognise that and go. I'll take a breath, and then they'll they'll try again from the heart but that would be an example of where, where they're just doing something because they know that's what they're, suppo- they're supposed to say yeah. and like hang on a minute is that coming from a genuine desire for connection or are you just saying sorry yeah. like I, I can tell from a mile off that that's not yeah. you don't mean that you mean I want to get out of here yeah I want I'm this to be over yeah I'm uncomfortable with this situation yeah I wish I knew all of this stuff when mine was small I mean it, we've been later to the party which is Probably why I'm passionate enough to do a podcast about it, because I think, actually, you don't want to find out about this stuff in 20 years. You need to know now. Um, But we've got a child who is very quick to say sorry. He's genuinely a humble person, but that sorry is usually, I want this over, Hmm. and I know what it'll take to get it over, the delivery of this magic word. And I think you're right to think about it. Hmm. I don't think it is a cure-all. In fact, Hmm. like you say, it's it's very shallow. Hmm. It's a hollow victory, isn't it? Yeah. And when as Rihanna done. says in Take a Bow, don't tell me you're sorry because you're not. You're only sorry you got caught. 
I'm not going to sing it for you right now, Mads, but it's just... Gosh, the difference between regret and remorse. Mm. Mm. Was that a quote from someone famous, like Rihanna? Juicy. <laughs> Actually. Mutual friend. Look, see, I had guilt versus regret. What did you mean by that? Once you have sort of cleaned up your mess, you can regret something and say, I did. Or you can take the shame of it and say, I am. Mm. Do you differentiate between those two with your children? Uh, yes. So even when it comes to the phrase that I think we grew up with, good boy. Let's talk about that. Oh, please. Good choice. It was a good choice. Yes. You're say not it. a good boy or a bad boy. Yes. And it's, it's just, I, I get the intention behind it, but in my head, it's just so not helpful. No, that was a good choice. Yeah. Didn't change who you are. You're a loved boy. Mm. You are loved. You are safe. And that will be the, the case, whatever your behavior is. The good boy stuff, therefore bad boy stuff. Or when the kids are saying, he's just stupid. I'm like, no, he made a choice that wasn't wise or, or just just labeling it differently so it's not it's not suddenly a, a label that we've pinned on someone it's something that came from them that can be changed very easily and can be done mm. very differently whereas if it's put on you as that's who you are that's like a sentence that's like a yeah a label that you then have to struggle away from and and in early years that can be that can stick pretty pretty well because you're looking around for figuring out who you are it's such a small thing isn't it but it has massive, massive consequences. I'm so sure about that. The whole good boy, good girl. Even if it's just in the way that we're perceiving the moment and the situation, mm. I find it's just helpful just for me to say, this is about choice, not identity. This is mm. behavior, not, not identity. Mm. And, and mixing those two things, I think, is messy. And, and so even if it doesn't register any differently to the, to the child, I think for a parent or a carer involved to, to just to have in their mind, no, 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 I'm trying to address the behaviours and the choices, mm. not who my child is or what they've become. Mm. I had an interesting one. Um, I already put it on the podcast that one of our children, <laughs> he was at school and he, 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 they were mucking about and he shoved one of the other children's phones in the microwave and slammed the door for a joke our microwave if you close the door nothing happens but a lot of microwaves if they're really sort of switched on you close the door and this starts fizzing and, and so on and so I had a, the school called of course and I had an interesting conversation with the relevant teacher and parted company with him over the way he expressed it so I always back the school I'm not the parent who's going to go in and go oh but he's you know he's an angel normally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just say okay if that's what you deem appropriate then we will totally back you and then he said I think we can all agree he was pretty stupid I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> red rag to a bull Whoops. it was yeah and I said actually we're really careful with labels I think he made a very silly choice in that moment. I didn't label him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Au contraire. And I wasn't trying to catch the teacher out, but I just think actually we can get it right in families, but it needs to be in the culture as well. And quite often in a sort of disciplinarian environment like a school that has to manage on rules and so on, we can be lazy about labels because we can get away with it. I mean, I remember when um, Tom was in school once and he went for a detention and the teacher couldn't be bothered to sit with him 
for the detention. And so he just, when he went to his classroom at said lunchtime, he made him say three times, I am an idiot, I am an idiot. That's just... I was just mortified. So labels, they're strong, aren't they? And I think that that's the extreme end, making somebody say I'm an idiot. But actually the shallow end is, good girl, good boy. Mm. You're great because. Mm. Or, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself because. And so on, all those things. They And Brenny Brown wouldn't have such an amazing following and such an amazing workload if this didn't stick. Yeah. Adults are walking around with a lot of shame, aren't they? So how how have you how have you seen your children positively discover their identity? What 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 have been the things either you've done or the moments that have where where you've gone, no, this is this is a this is a moment where they can formulate who they are in a way that is positive, not negative. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the David Baker podcast, hey. and his guest today is Madeline Stanamero. Who is an above average parent with five kids. You just labelled me. I know. Above average. It's true. But it's true. Above average amount of I'm not children. saying how high above average. You, that's, you've received something negative then. It could have been really positive. How did we. What was our pivotal moment? Do you know, I think literally. That expression, shame says I am, regret says I did. And I coined it myself from things I'd listened to and heard. I love my little catchphrases because it just helps mm. me in flashpoints to go, I know what I'm hanging this on. Yeah. And I think we have just tried in the latter years, you know, the last sort of 10 years or so, to differentiate the difference between who you are and what you did. Because we know those moments, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot, can mm. really stick. For people who are listening, what's the, the antidote to some of this stuff that for some people listening has already happened or they're already into parenting and they've used some labels? How do you gain some ground back on that? What's helped me is looking at the journey rather than the end result. So if you were to take a running race at school and they won, I would affirm the effort, I would affirm the training, the winning that's for them to evaluate whether they're thrilled at having one or... Whether they're just part of a really <laughs> slow class. <laughs> yeah. Yes, whether it was just an easy win. And I will share that victory with them. It's not as though I won't acknowledge it. I'm not one of these people who thinks that we won't have winners and we won't have losers. You know, ipso facto, somebody mm. came first. But I would celebrate the journey. And it's the same whether it's a, a spelling test, a GCSE... I know that a lot of people pay their kids for GCSE successes. I'm already saving up. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four kids. Those A-stars aren't going to be cheap. You go for it. You, get, you might not get any, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But I do want the character dangle. Hide the books. <laughs> Hide the books. It's so much cheaper. And, you know, I, I would be the last person to condemn or criticise anybody who made that choice, but... When something's happening culturally, you do have to stop and ask yourself, don't you? Why aren't we doing that? Why doesn't that sit comfortably for us? And in the end, if you get an A, that's your A. You've got it. That's yours forever. That will always be something that you hold. What I'm looking at is you really worked hard. Mm. You sacrificed a lot of social time for that. I really mm. admired the way you were persevering. And mm. we use a lot of words like, you know, perseverance and 
endurance, you know, those sort of words that acknowledge the journey that got them there. Because in the end, that's the transferable skill, isn't it? Yeah. Otherwise, you get your A, you get your 50 quid, 1,000 quid in your case. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And it's over. Whereas yeah. actually, if you affirm the journey, you're constantly affirming character. Yeah. And that they carry into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So even in the little moments, it's affirming the effort that they made and the journey that they went on rather than oh, that's a great piece of work, well done, you yeah. nailed that. Does that... That's really helpful. If you found that answer helpful, <laughs> you, can, you can come to the courageousdata.com website, <laughs> setting it up soon in, in competition. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. You've got four young children, you're not setting anything up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not setting That's a label, you just labelled now. I said you're not going to. I didn't say you're not a podcaster. I heard it. I heard yeah. it negatively. I felt like someone put a glass ceiling. <laughs> above me you are actually studying a podcast aren't you I haven't gotten live on it yet though I've uh, got I've got one in that's my... the courageous part yeah I've got to be you can't be a courageous dad and not go live no okay that expression that we hear people say I just need to be authentic mm-hmm. I need to be who I am does that have a tipping point uh, it makes me nervous. It's one of those <laughs> expressions that I just think... The question uh, makes you nervous or the no, expression makes no, you nervous? No, no. People, yeah. the, the reason I, I kind of always want to delve underneath why they're saying it, generally it means that there's something precious underneath that they don't want scrutinised. Oh, give me an example. Oh, I don't know if I can, but I, I guess I've come across lots of people who, I, I just want to be me, authentic me, mm. and and I'm like, that. I don't feel confident enough in myself to to think that that's safe i need i need some framework around me to to determine what is what is authentically me because that feels like it's it's so volatile depending on how well i'm navigating covid19 or uh, any other situation that's happening in my family or lack of sleep all that kind of stuff i'm like how do i figure out what is authentically me without some other framework so if people are saying they just need to be true to themselves Sometimes I guess I hear underneath that a stubbornness and that's either because there's insecurities, I think, or it's because something's precious that I am potentially threatening with Mm. my questions or my suggestions about what changes could happen. Oh, is that the right answer? I like your answer. (laughs) I love that. I've been pondering it recently because you hear it a lot. Mm. And I find myself thinking, do I want to be true to who I am? My feelings change, as you say, every day. I think I'd like to be true to who maybe... I'm trying to be, (laughs) character-wise, not true to who I feel in this moment, because that could be angry, sad, irritated, annoyed, jealous, concerned. Mm. And again, it's a real subtle difference between I've got to be true to who I am and I've got to be true to who I'm aiming to be. Letting that regurgitate in my head, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really healthy. But an interesting distinction that I think could easily be missed. I mean, it could still give entitlement. They could still be saying, well, I'm going to be authentic to the fact that I want to be somebody who says how I'm feeling in any given moment. But yeah. actually, that's just venting, isn't it? Yeah. And and don't you judge me. You know, that kind of don't, don't judge me. <laughs> this, that, insinuating that someone else is judging because you, you've, yeah, again, you don't want that scrutiny. Yeah, you, you want to give yourself permission to be funky for a bit more and not have to do some hard graft on your heart. Mm. Do the work. Yeah. Another big question. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Poor David. Yeah. (laughs) 
hit me. <laughs> I just want to go to bed. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just keep talking until I find an answer. Is it ever okay to lie to your children? Uh, <laughs> not before 12. <laughs> Is it okay, ever okay to lie to your children? I feel like it's too early. I mean, I've got... My eldest is seven, nearly eight. So I'm sure there are more complex situations that I have yet to navigate to really test this. But I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable lying to my children. Even even to say, your braces look beautiful. I'm like, I, that, doesn't, that wouldn't come across as something I would want to say. I, I'm, I'd be comfortable saying, you're beautiful, you've got braces. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Don't smile lots. <laughs> <At me. laughs> just keep your mouth shut um, I, think, I think sometimes and Karis would say this sometimes I'm brutally honest and, and so there's a, there's a difference between always being honest sometimes you can just keep your mouth closed David and not say yeah. what you're thinking Yes. Um, but the alternative of, of my child actually looking for some truth and me knowing that I have bent it or deceived them told them something that isn't true, that mm. would make me feel uncomfortable. I'd have mm. to be questioning why I'm doing that, what I'm hiding from them, or what is, again, what, is, what has become more important than the full picture. That's not to say my kids at their ages need to know everything. And that's the difference, isn't it? You can say, I don't think it's right for me to share that with you right now. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to say you cover it up. Was that the right answer? There are no right answers. They're written in your book. <laughs> just good ideas. Yeah. What a good place to stop my conversation with David and say, if connection is your goal, if you'd love some great ways to raise an emotionally healthy child, a child of good character and a strong yet sense and a strong yet gentle sense of their own identity, then you'll love Parenting for Life. It's a fully illustrated, beautiful, hardback book of gems. And for you, it's available at the listener's price, delivered to your door for £15. The link's in the show notes. Now, back to my conversation with David, or his conversation with me, as you'll find out. When have you been most tempted to lie to your children? Mm. Okay, I'm going to confess a lie then. Okay, here we go. You ready, kids? Now, this is the mum who said, I will never lie to you. And as far, honestly, hand on heart, as far as I am, seriously, I cannot think of a time. But there's lying and deceiving. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they amount to the same thing. Yeah. And I really blew it. And, okay, so one one of my children work and he gets a card for a certain shop that he works at which gives you a discount and my name's not on the discount cons is so technically I can't use the card and he stipulated this really really clearly I don't want you to deviate from this I want to be able to look my manager in the eye and say I have never ever lent that to anybody apart from the named people good anyway con was off to the shops and then something happened and he suddenly couldn't go and I had to go and I said yeah but I can't use the discount card and we both sort of thought it'll be fine you know and as I did it I felt terrible about it and I came home and uh yeah I had a bit of mopping up to do how much on a pack of cigarettes did you save I mean was it worth it <laughs> 10 packs of cigarettes <laughs> oh 10 packs right <laughs> and I but the interesting thing was he was so wounded by it because we have a culture of truth Mm -hmm. 
and truth is expected of them. You know, even yeah. if you've killed someone, you can come in, you can say it, and we're not going to hit the roof. We're yeah. going to sit down and we're going to ask you, what were you thinking? Mm. And that's and like, that there is an indication that there's a culture that's that's established in your home. That means you don't. You've done the hard work beforehand. The battle before the battlefield, as I call it. You've I done, like that. You've done the hard work beforehand, so that when it comes to the crunch of, can I tell the truth or not? There's already a foundation where your kids feel like they can walk into a space and go, "I really blew it," and I'm much mm. more comfortable, you knowing the real me, because I know that there's a safe, there's a shock absorbing space in this home where I can be a mess, because the danger of them feeling like they have to hide the mess. If that continues into growing up life, mm. the implications of that and the consequences of that just escalate. So that for me is exciting to think of that being a possibility for my kids as they grow up, that there's a space where they always feel like they can just be totally honest. I, I felt like that with my parents. My mum and dad knew the worst about me right through teenage years and, and there was something approachable. It was an atmosphere where there was grace for all the mess ups or there was love unconditionally. Well, it's interesting you've landed on that because unconditional love is what... I would call that because if you love the version of your child you're pretending that they are <laughs> or yeah. they are pretending that they are neither of you have got connection not full connection because they're like so long as she doesn't know I did this we're all good we're all good even though you did do that because you are not that person hmm. you made that mistake or you can see the error of it or you can't see the error of it yeah. and you're choosing to live your life like that that doesn't adjust how much I love you. I'd, I'd like to see you and love you, not see the version of you I'm pretending. Yeah. And this struck home with me about, must have been about 10 years ago, a friend of mine phoned and she said, I'm in a real dilemma. Can we just talk it through? And I said, sure. And she said, okay, so my son, so her son was 18 and a friend of his had videoed himself not her son the, <laughs> the friend had videoed himself and his girlfriend having sex and unbeknownst to the girlfriend put it on the internet girlfriend mortified told my friend's son and my friend's son told my friend and she didn't know what to do with it and all parties that knew were, were sort of distraught about this it was just so damning mm. but she decided that she was going to be big enough to go and talk to the boy who had taken the video's mum. So she went to the boy's mum and, and she said, look, I've, I've got something to share and, you know, no judgment, no condemnation. I just think this is something you need to know and shared it with her. And the woman looked her in the eye and she said, we didn't have this conversation. Wow. And I don't want you to mention this to my husband because their son, the boy who had done the video, was about to get a car for his 18th birthday if he had a clean record. Yeah. Wow. Let's face it, she couldn't face her own pain of watching her child's disappointment at not getting the car. Mm. And so we think we're being kind and going, oh, I love you unconditionally. But actually what we're sometimes saying is, I don't want to face the pain of your disappointment. I'm not big enough mm. for this. And I think what I want to be able to say to my children is, I'm big enough. I am big mm. enough. And, and that's been put to the test. I mean, gosh, we've got 26, 20... Four, twenty-two, <laughs> eighteen, and eleven. So now there's a twenty-two-year-old driving around in a car that communicates to him, "I, I can, I can bend the rules and get what I want anyway. Mm. Just it will still come good." Yeah. 
There's no repercussions as long as you don't get caught. Whereas the lack of that car could have been a strong message. Mm. Especially if it was done with love. Yeah. We love you. But then again, I wouldn't have offered a car for being good. So, I mean, I wouldn't have found Well, we are coming back to labels. We're coming back round to, <laughs> to labels in terms of and, and what we are, what we're willing to celebrate in our homes and, and how we communicate value to our children. And if that's character and, and effort that's and the journey, then that's different mm. to outcomes. It is. And the wins. I mean, just to be clear, they're not getting a car anyway. At yes. 18, at yes. all. <laughs> they can get a car, it just won't be one that's roadworthy. <laughs> <laughs> or have seats. You could maybe upgrade the A-levels to getting a car. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we shouldn't mock because people do do that. You're right. Someone listening right now. Yes, is selling the car. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well done for working they so just... hard and persevering. I so admire you. Yeah, it's a bit late now, though, if they've just got their A-levels. I think we've got time for one more. Okay. What are you pondering at the moment? In life or in this moment? I was just wondering whether to ask you another question <laughs> if you didn't have one for me. Go on, go No, I haven't got one. Oh. That, that's my, that was what I was pondering. No, what are you... Aren't, are you chewing on anything? Oh. In um, life about parenting? Yeah, I'm chewing on... Um, Courageous dadder. My daughter is about to <laughs> hit eight. I know it's a significant stage in life where your worldview is, is shaping and... Yeah. And and uh, it feels like in some ways I'm watching her perspective. She's pushing back a little bit more at us as as parents and she's getting some strong there's some strength coming there and I'm uh, and I'm not feeling equipped in the moment. I'm thinking, "Oh, this is another moment where I've got to it's a catalyst for how is my connection with my eldest daughter? Have I prepared myself well for this? Do I know what I'm doing? What do I need to change about how I do life and and where we meet and where our paths cross in order that I can be investing into our connectedness because um, it feels like a, a lot at the moment I am dropping off at school and, and preparing for school and so that's a lot of craziness and how are you still not ready kind of phrases that I find myself saying and then when she's back from school she's tired and I'm trying to create some space for her to replenish before into the evening but it just feels like a lot apart from our Saturdays which we regard so much of the interactions are at her end or when I'm pressured time wise feels a little bit like my fear in that is mm. oh she's growing up and it feels like a runaway train and I'm not fast mm. enough so that's what I'm pondering at the moment I'm, I'm thinking okay I just need to find a moment to put the brakes on and go right what's the strategy for this age because mm. she's our eldest and so I, I need I need to listen to another podcast or... And then you get interrupted by someone walking in and it's just, just when you're in your flow, there's always something that just interrupts. Here's the real courageous dadder. Hey, if I could hug you, I would. I would do the same. So David's pondering, how does he prepare himself for a rising age? Okay, very good age. It's a very good age. I think you guys have put all the work in beforehand, so you're not going there to have it issues. Is. You know, you've done all the work, the groundwork, all the hard work stuff. Fair and the fact more. that she uh, that uh, she knows me and I've had a little bit of input. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's probably the big, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah. You're my safety net. There we go. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, I can't even walk in his own kitchen. No. Why does eight feel significant? I mean, I agree with you, by the way. I think it is significant, but why? 
it, it's I put my finger on the problem before I recognise the age, in in terms of just noticing. Um, I have to edit all those ums out. Oh, poor Murphy's getting water from the outside. <laughs> How do you feel? This is show business. What okay. a genius. He's okay. got such a lovely smile. He has. Do you want to ask me that question again? Yes. And I'll try and do less ums. Yeah, please. I'm an internal processor. My I'm um is a disguise. It's a, it's a disguise <laughs> for... I could just say, I don't know the answer. And it's, but it's just not as good a podcast. Uh, okay. Just... So the ums achieve better. Okay. In the long run. Makes you sound like a professor. Mm. Mm. Would it be better if I went, mm, mm. rather than, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Why eight? Why does that feel significant? Yeah, so I, I think it's it's not so much the, I know that that's a significant age, just in terms of child development, but but I think um, for me, it's just, I, I guess I've observed it in with my daughter and her behaviour, and I guess what she's less warm to, or or the time that we are spending together. And some of that might be to do with the age and stage of the other kids. She's the eldest, but I'm, I'm aware that, for example, bedtimes, she's the one that we could easily miss because she'll quite happily sit and read mm. to herself while we're putting the other three down. We put the other three down, and by the time we've done that, we're like, oh, great. Mm. And and so because she's, a, a, she's almost... There's a certain level of independence that's there where I could switch into a kind of lethargy in my parenting or a, I, I could miss it if I wasn't careful that she she is growing up. She is changing and, and growing and I haven't adapted with her in the way that I've treated her, in, in the way, in the responsibilities I've given her, in the way that she's felt empowered, but also in the way that you know, she's got a bit more time in the evening because she's going to bed later. Am I just going to make her do the loading the dishwasher and all those kind of stuff? What of that is appropriate? What of that is me being lazy? And what of that is her growing up and taking on more responsibility? Or am I missing something that she could be doing in those moments that is really healthy and connected? So it's it's less about the age and more about her being the eldest and me needing to figure out okay, what's what's a good strategy for this for this mm. moment so that we can be maintaining the connection and it's interesting that you talked about worldview they are developing their worldview mm. aren't they and this is an age where they start to pull away a little bit and look at their own perspectives which is a good thing and frightening Mads. and frightening <laughs> <laughs> it's the last of the age of innocence isn't it mm. they need to grow we need them to grow mm. and a lot of it i mean alice bond came on the podcast recently friend of yours yeah Amazing lady. Yeah, she is actually. And she was she just touched on developing their critical thinking. Okay. And that was a chewer. You know when somebody mm. says something and mm. you go in, you chew on that and you, yes. And it's made me think in terms of Johnny and I dig in a little bit more since she said that, just of well, what do you think about that and why have you come to that and what do you think we could do about that? Trying not to just answer all his questions but to get him mm developing his own perspective in the safety of or the safety net of my and cons you know broader perspective mm. but it is an important age and it's a, quite a hormonally charged age and you, as you say it is a developmental stage it's mm. when you when they try what happens if I say no what happens if I kick back mm. what if I just say a swear word out loud what happens then mm. and I encourage all of that you know not the swearing so much <laughs> Here's a couple of words you might want to say when you're angry. 
where's your advice for me around eight-year-old girl whether mm. girl or boy makes a difference that's probably for another podcast but mm. eight-year-old that that stage of development what's what worked for you where did you get it wrong hmm. probably got it wrong in lots of places mm-hmm. def- i said to con this morning can't we just go back into it all over again and you know what he said he said, but we'd lose all the private jokes that we've got. <laughs> all those points of reference that feel like they belong to us. They'd all be wiped off, you know. All that would go. You mentioned something earlier, before we actually switched on, or before the part where I'm actually going to hmm. air it. Because you were being... Prof- you were swearing and... Yeah, all of that. You can't, <laughs> can't broadcast that. And you said you're being a bit more intentional about one-to-one time with them. Yeah. And I think that's important right across the board. I really do. And I wish we had done a lot more of it. It wasn't even culturally a thing when mm. ours was small. And when we had our epiphany and started doing it, it, it even then felt like, you know, it wasn't very common. It probably is more so now. And I think just giving them time in your company where they can be them mm. and where they can be honest and they see that you're not shockable mm-hmm. felt really significant for us mm, and good. we developed something called the trust bubble mm. and they named it not us and I would take the children out for 40 minutes once a month each which takes quite a bit of planning mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had one at that stage who was beginning to sort of show signs of having a slightly secret life. There wasn't anything in particular he'd done. It just felt like he wasn't being as transparent in front of us as I was used to him being. So one day I just came out with it, and this is how the trust bubble was born. I said, when we're here in this space and this time together, you can tell me absolutely anything. And I won't advise you, and there won't be any consequences, and I won't tell anybody. And I can remember his foot, he looked at me and he said, really? (laughs) And what was really interesting about that was we thought we had a culture in our home where you could just do that, Mm. a bit like you Mm. would with your kids. Tell me anything at any time. But he seemed to like this. And over the next couple of months, he tested me. He tried me on one thing. And then he showed me something. It was a meme on, he was mid-teenager by then on ping, which was a bit kind of, you know, a bit far for me. Yeah. I looked at him and said, thank you for sharing that, you know. And he did put me to the test. And then the bomb came. And he told me something that, you know, I'm not going to put on the podcast. And I was able to do that. And I just said, thank you for sharing that. And bless him, he said, what should I do? Mm. And that was really lovely to be invited into it. And I, and I, I resisted leaping in and going, well, <laughs> one, two and three. So I did actually say, well, what, what do you think your options are? And he shared his options. And I said, which one are you favouring? And he was leaning towards one that I thought, oh, I can see some ramifications for that. And I said, OK, what would you do if that person then did this? No, I hadn't thought of that, he said. And anyway, he came to his own conclusion. He did it and he... And he said to me, literally a couple of years ago, he said, Mum, I learned to trust you outside the trust bubble because I learned to trust you in the trust bubble. Mm. So going back to your eight-year-old, I think it is banking equity, banking moments Mm. when you can try your worldview on me. You can say, I think everyone should be a vegetarian. I think no one should be a vegetarian. And I'm not going to go, well, you know, listen to me. This is my point of view on that. 
and you go, oh, tell me what you're thinking. And they learn in that space that actually they can be themselves. And I think being themselves is just the biggest gift, isn't it? Because out there, the pressure to be all sorts of things, even at our age, well, I say are, oh, you're younger than me. Yes, so thank <laughs> sorry you. about that. Thank you by a long shot. <laughs> Easy, you're catching up. <laughs> the pressure to be something else. Anybody who's got any form of social media or yeah. lives in any environment with people who have an outside world mm. feel that they have to adapt. And I think allowing them to have spaces where they don't have to adapt for you, they can be who they are, feels like a really safe place. And when they get angry, being able to... Well, you're brilliant when they're angry. Thank you. Yeah. Um... And they get more angry at eight. I mean, that's just a real generalisation, but between... I remember when our oldest got to eight and the stomping upstairs started, and I was like, what is that? Where did that even come from? Mm. And my sister, who had older children, and that's what we did, we lent on the people who had older children, and she said, well, you can't have chocolate and you can't have gin. What do you want him to do? (laughs) (laughs) He's got to express himself. And I thought, yeah, I like that. Yeah, stomp up the stairs. That feels good. (laughs) Here's a punch bag. I find I just, at the moment, I'm reacting in the kind of slightly sarcastic, did that make it any better? kind of not healthy way <laughs> like do you feel better that you hit me Are you, this is my non-judgmental face is that good <laughs> is it thank you is this a safe am I in a trust bubble now can't say I, I feel don't with hold me to that being recorded doesn't feel so trust bubbly no it's a bit more public <laughs> yeah but yeah find it like having those moments where it is stompy up the stairs and going okay well I could get cross about the noise that just happened or I could be intrigued about what's being expressed and where that's coming from. And, and I think what, what, what we are finding with the, the one on one time, and at the moment, because of the ages of our children, we're at seven, five, three, and one. It, it, it's mad. It's, it's crazy, but, but so Karis now at the moment is doing, because there's no slots for the old online shopping. <laughs> um, Free up some slots. Come people. on, people, <laughs> think about the vulnerable. We're... You know, Karis will go on a Sunday afternoon or whenever whenever it works with us and she'll take one of the children shopping and it's kind of a treat. They get to choose a couple of different things that they want but but there's time then that's that's one-on-one time. Um, Hang on a sec. Your one-on-one time is, is, is they can go shopping with you. <laughs> hey, we're not perfect, okay, man. Right, grab it where you can. Um, but but you other can. other moments where, yeah. where, where there's not... It's not time that is pressured it's they Mm. can make of this time what they want Mm. and so and and in some ways that was easier and it is currently easier with my three-year-old daughter I can sit next to her and do this jigsaw puzzle Mm. where you can make a bear have different clothes you know however you put the jigsaw together and she just very woke and yeah she she can just just the idea that I would play with her it just fills her face with like she just radiates and it's just it's so simple so whereas, easy wins aren't they yeah whereas with an 8 year old it's it's finding those moments where what would she really like to do and actually with my eldest we, we went on a bike ride together because I really enjoy bike riding she's interested and I just we we had a bike ride down Cleve Hill um, and there was something of coming alive in terms of that because it's investing in, into her in a, in a way when it's non-conflict moments mm, mm. the battle before the battlefield again it is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Thank you for coming. Pleasure. Your deep thoughts.
I love it. We did it. We did it. That's so deep and so much fun. He is intentional about connection, but so light at the same time. So much to learn from him. Thank you for joining us. If you've got questions, comments, want to book a chat about one of your children or an area that you're challenged in in family life, I'm easy to find. I'm the Courageous Mama everywhere. Instagram, blog, email at Gmail and here on the podcast. Do pop to the show notes to track the book down. We drop every Tuesday. I'll see you next week.